Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, thank you ever so much, Charmaine. Um, My name is Lizzie Wolfe. I'm the rector here at St George's. And we've got a bumper lot of clergy for you tonight. Uh, So if you were here last week, you might remember that I explained that we've now got a team of three churches, and I oversee the team, but each of our three churches has a clergy leader, who I am joined by now. So I'm going to ask you all to just introduce yourselves. Great. So my name is Josh Cochrane, and I'm the clergy leader down at Holy Trinity on Ball Lane. Hi, I'm Adrian Smith, and I'm the clergy lead at St. Augustine's Rangthorne, which includes Church at High Park Corner. Yes, I love HBC. And my name is Eve Ridgeway, and I'm the clergy lead here at St. George's. Fantastic. So tonight, instead of having like a traditional sermon with just one person speaking to us, we're going to have a bit of a conversation uh, rooted in the passage of scripture that Charmaine has just read to us, but a conversation about the three churches and how we're starting to work together and also the three values that are beginning to emerge across the team that are sort of shaping how we're working. And I don't know if anyone can remember those values from last week, but they are relationship, creativity and generosity. Relationship, creativity and generosity. So we're going to talk a little bit about relationship first of all. And obviously our passage is using quite a famous illustration, describing the people of God, the church, as being like a human body. So it's very much about relationship. Uh, So I'm going to start by asking each of you, what strikes you most about this passage? Now, I do not want three full sermons. We are looking for like one thought each, the thing that most strikes. So, Josh, I'm going to come to you first. I have to say, it is taking a lot of (laughs) self-control not to preach uh, a sermon on this passage this evening. So, well done. uh, You should be proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the thing that really strikes me about this passage is how much Paul wants the Corinthian church to see uh, that they are united. Count the number of times Paul uses the word one in this passage. It's a lot. Uh, That this is an image of the church as... Uh, a united single body. But what's interesting about the way that Paul does this for me uh, is that he, he isn't inventing this image. A lot of uh, biblical scholars will tell you that um, this image is fairly common, actually, uh, in, political, uh, in political philosophy of his time. And so um, it's fairly common in a political speech like the one uh, that we heard from our prime minister this week that encouraged us Uh, to to come together as one nation in a difficult time, it was fairly common for this kind of image to be used in the ancient world that would say, we are one country and we operate as one body with many different parts. And so in a sense, Paul is taking that kind of political imagery and saying, just as countries are united, uh, we are a new country. We have a new identity. But there's something really surprising about how Paul does this. So just have a quick look at verse 12 for me. Uh, It says, Paul says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts are one body, so it is with... Now, if Paul is doing political philosophy here, the answer is the church. The church is one. 
But that's not what he says. He says, so it is with Christ. In other words, the unity that we share in many ways is like a kind of political unity, but it's more foundational than that. We are united in this person of Jesus Christ. And so whenever we talk about the church, I think we have to recognize that uh, unity is the place that we start. We are united in Christ. That is the beginning of our conversation. It's not where we're heading. And in the midst of that unity, there are lots of different ways. We all have lots of different parts to play in that. But we, we can't depart from the fact that we are one in Christ. So I'll stop before I, before I keep preaching. Fantastic. Thank you, Josh. Um, Eve, let's come to you. What strikes you about this passage? Carry on. It's great. Um, yeah, what struck me was uh, particularly the line that comes after that um, that says, we cannot say, um, I don't need you or I have no need of you. Uh, in the next few verses, 15 to 21, um, Paul says that the parts of the body have been um, placed by God, implying this kind of loving intention of God placing uh, the parts together so that we cannot say, I don't need you, that each part of the body is needed and intentional and works together um, for the whole. And that's, again, different to that, um, their contemporary understanding of that image that some parts would have uh, intrinsically been more important than others, whereas Paul says, no, every part is significant. Uh, we can't all be the same or do the same thing. And I love the kind of um, exaggerated thing of imagine a massive ear. That would not, not be helpful. Imagine a massive eye, like the guy from Monsters, Inc. Um, that's not what we are. We are a body. Um, and everyone is needed in it. And, um, and when everyone plays a part, it means uh, not, there's not a few people left to do things. Everyone's doing it. And I think that's really significant in our church here at St. George's, which is undeniably um, a large church. This isn't, isn't us at our fullest, because we... Uh, expect and I hope that many students will come to us as well this term Um, and we benefit from that in loads of ways and sometimes it can feel like maybe I'm not seen or I'm not needed what's my part to play and this um, this picture reminds me that we do all have a part to play and that it's a a big body and there are many many parts Um, and that relationship is intentional that the body parts have to notice one another in that picture and be aware of the, the benefits and blessings that they receive when they're part of that body, um, honouring each part, especially those we might think less honourable, so that there's no division um, and that we have equal concern for one another. So it speaks to me that um, we are meant to be here, that each person here uh, is meant to be here and we have a need of you. Uh, of one another in this place Um, so that those relationships are interconnected we won't all um, be connected in quite the same way uh, depending on if you're in a small group or if you're you know part of a team or part of the congregation the ear isn't right next to the big toe there's different parts of the body connected Um, but but we cannot say I don't need you because we need one another in that image which is really key for me fantastic now, Adrian, you've kind of got the, the hardest one here because we've had two excellent points taken from this passage. Uh, have you got a third one for us? I've got a few little ones, if that, if that goes Let, well. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it there. I, I think one thing that, that amazes me about this passage is that when we're talking about being the body, uh, as, um, as Josh said, you know, that fundamentally is that we are part of Christ and that's where we start. 
Um, and then we talk about being church together. And if you read the passage, there's sort of several different layers of that. We're, we're immersed and rooted in a local church. Um, and that, for folk here this evening, is St. George's. For other folk, that will be at Holy Trinity. For other folk, it'll be at, um, at, at Rangthorn or at Church at High Park Corner. But then there's also the sense that we're part of something bigger. Um, we, we together are church, and that's what um, I think this passage speaks to us about what we're discovering as being part of a, of a bigger team. Sometimes we can get too parochial in what we do, and we just think the church is the way that we do church, and the way we do church is the only way to do church or to be church. But I think this passage speaks to us in that diversity and difference in ears and eyes and hands and feet, that actually church is diverse and different um, where we are. The other thing that it says to me here, and I, I, I found this really quite challenging, is that I think this passage pushes to the edge our understanding that you can't do church on your own. Um, it, it's almost, isn't it, in our very individualistic world, we think it's about me and Jesus and I'm okay. But I think this passage says to us that if we are a Christian, if we're known and loved by God, then we are part of the church theologically. There's, there's no dispute about that. But also, realistically and practically, we need to be part of the church. We talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And of course, that's foundational. That's fundamental to who we are. But actually, it's not an individual one. God has called us to be part of the body. Ears don't exist on their own. Hands don't exist on their own. Eyes don't exist on their own. It's only when they come together to be part of the body that they're able to be what they've designed and destined to be. And I, and I think um, we were chatting about this earlier, weren't we, Lizzie? I'm almost tempted to say, but I'm not saying this, <laughs> you can't be a Christian if you don't recognize that you're not part of the church. And I think we've got to be really, really cautious about thinking that we can do this on our own, because we can't. We know we can't do Christianity on our own, because it's all based upon God's relationship with us in Christ. But we need one another, and we're so much better together, and the diversity and the difference that we, 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 we see there. Mm. Great. Thanks, Adrian. Um, I want to just push a little bit further into this because we've had some really helpful thoughts on the passage and what that might mean. Um, but Josh, just tell us a little bit more personally um, how it might look in practice, this kind of idea of being in relationship. Yeah, well, so, so we're part of a new project at Holy Trinity. So when I, I came to Leeds last year, uh, there were often times when I was uh, in my own on the building quite a lot. And actually, the reality of a lot of people that plant churches, even people that have teams, is that ch church planting can be quite a lonely thing. Uh, it's difficult to find people to, to share the encouragements, but also the difficult long days where you're doing lots of different things. And for me, one of the real joys of coming to do this role and to lead this team um, has been that actually... Uh, I can be part of some, planting something new whilst being in community. And that looks like lots of different things. So we're part of a, a really good um, staff team at St. George's. We have people that um, can do things that I am um, terrible at, which is, is re really very helpful when you're trying to start something new. Um, but also the support and love um, of colleagues, uh, both clergy and, uh, and not clergy, 
has been an immense privilege and a joy for me, just having those people that I can share difficulties with, uh, so, knowing that I have somebody that I can pick up the phone and moan to for half an hour when I've had a really difficult day, has meant that um, I've been able to serve that context in a way that is, uh, is much better and much healthier, I think, than a lot of um, church planting often is. Fantastic. Thank you. So we're going to move on now and talk um, a little bit about creativity, um, which is our second value. So all of our three churches are passionate about mission, um, but mission looks different in different contexts. So um, I want to ask you what mission looks like in your context. So Eve, going to come to you first. What does mission mean? What does mission look like here at St. George's? Yeah, so I find myself talking about this um, across the church quite often as a, uh, a large city centre church, um, which is what we are, and there's no denying that at St. George's. We're a large church, and for our services in particular, our gatherings, the queue is in the title, are gathered um, from across the city, uh, from a wide range of uh, backgrounds and contexts. Uh, we are scattered in those contexts in the week, hopefully living missional lives. Um, and we gather to worship and praise God, to hear from his word, to encounter the power of the spirit together. Um, so at St. George's, mission is often about invitation. Um, but invitation both to our gathered times, uh, which might be a Sunday service, uh, a Christmas service that we, uh, all of those that we plan so carefully and we pray and we uh, design them to be missional. Uh, maybe inviting someone to try Alpha or to a small group. But I also think that we do invite people into our scattered lives across the week. It's not just um, about inviting people to an event. It's about equipping ourselves to invite people to know the love of God, whether that's sharing conversation or in service, in action, um, during the week. And so in that um, gather context as well, all our ministries and ministry areas are missional and designed for mission as well, partly through being able to gather particular groups of people to then uh, reach them even more effectively. So if you're in the building, feel free to whoop. Um, We've got amazing student community. There's a few. They're coming back. They're coming back. Um, some youth. Yeah, there you go. Uh, kids. There's probably not as many kids. They might be in bed by now. Um, Farsi. Uh, Lighthouse brothers and sisters. Uh, yeah, there you go. And many, many more across St. George's as a whole. Um, and all of those ministry areas are aimed to equip us as followers of Jesus in our different contexts and seasons of life, because there are some specifics there that it's really helpful to drill down into and share together. Um, so that in my mind, our faith is strengthened, our imagination of God's kingdom in the world is expanded, and our understanding of the ways that we can serve each other grows, and we're made more aware of the needs of others um, in our walk with Jesus. But also those gatherings in those ministry areas remain and are accessible and welcoming to those exploring faith. There's not one event for some people, one event for another. Everyone is welcome 
um, and able to meet with Jesus and explore faith at all of them. Um, we've got some great examples of that with student teas and people inviting friends to eat together and then maybe try church. Um, youth night and so much more that people can come along to and bring friends to. Um, we've seen some amazing examples of this over the past couple of years uh, in particular for uh, the 200 students that were invited by their friends to contemporary carols last year. That's 200 guests invited um, the 350 school children that were enabled to come and hear about the Christmas gospel message in our school's nativity, uh, enabled by a team. And also thousands of shares of services and videos on social media as we have uh, expanded that, particularly with live streaming uh, over the past year. Um, and also that loads and loads of people are involved in that creative mission. We're really blessed to have um, staff, to have ministry staff. There are some people that as vocation and job uh, do this in service of God. But all of those people then lead teams. Uh, we lead team leaders who then lead teams, uh, who then build up and enable other people to encounter God so that we can multiply uh, that work. So. Um, although we are gathered and that that's different from maybe uh, what these guys might talk about with place and uh, geography, um, we're gathered for the sake of the city uh, and the diocese so that when we scatter, we're all the more uh, enabled to do that and play our part where we are during the week as well. Great. Thank you. So, um, Josh, going to come to you. Yeah. So, at Holy Trinity, we have a vision to... Uh, to equip and to engage with the working population of Leeds. And I think one of the real gifts that we have to do this uh, is our space. It's the place that we have right in the heart of the city, um, which for us is really crucial to our understanding of what we've been called to be and how we've been called to reach people. And so partly what mission looks like for us is opening up the doors. If you've ever spent any time in Holy Trinity, you know that whenever the doors are open, people come in. Uh, and so that's an opportunity to engage with people, to offer a space for people to retreat uh, from a very busy city and to find space to pray. Uh, but it also means that we're able to build really strong connections with the workplaces on our doorstep. Um, I'll give you a quick example. So we, uh, you'll have noticed that there's a, a slightly big shopping center which um, built itself around us and then stole our name. Uh, the Trinity Shopping Centre. Um, but actually, because of, because of our proximity to the shopping centre, we've been able to build really strong relationships with their staff. So Richard and I uh, often go into their, their weekly staff meetings and just offer ourselves to anybody that wants to talk about anything. Uh, and so when recently one of their staff members died, very suddenly, um, uh, they got in touch with us very quickly because they needed help. Um, and while I was away, Richard did an amazing job of welcoming about 30 employees from the Trinity Centre uh, to just share stories of their colleague who had died and to light candles. And to be able to offer that space and that opportunity uh, to witness to God's love is, uh, is, is really a blessing and I think is, is really one of the gifts that we have. But, but one of the other things about the location uh, is that uh, there's a huge amount of need right on our doorstep, often quite literally. If you walk past 
Holy Trinity, you'll see that people use it as a place to congregate. Um, and for me, this, it goes back to this question of relationship. One of the real joys of being part um, of a bigger team is that we're able to work um, closely with, uh, with the Lighthouse team and with St. George's Crypt. And so that when we come across people uh, that have real needs that we, uh, we probably don't have the expertise or the experience to minister to, we're not doing it alone. And so we can, we can direct people to the right place, which is, is the real joy of being part of the body, is that we're not all hands, we're not all ears. We can have different visions and be part of the same team. And lastly, we want, to, um, we want to create community by inviting people in. We don't want to just be um, a club for people that work in the city centre. We want to be building community that is invitational. So we want to create opportunities for people to invite colleagues, to invite people into the city. So a good example of this coming up, we're hosting a three-week festival called Our Earth, Our City, where we're going to have this huge six-metre diameter globe suspended from our ceiling. And we hope that thousands of people will be invited to come in um, and to see God's vision for, for creation and for climate care and to experience some of the love that God has for them. So we want it to be a space of invitation. Great. Thank you. So it's, look, it's, it's not quite as clear-cut as this as sort of complexity around it, but basically Eve's saying invitation, a huge thing at St. George's, but you're saying space, the actual space that you're in at Holy Trinity is really big part of your mission there. Adrian, tell us about Rangform. What, what does mission look like? What does it mean there? Yeah, I think following on from invitation and space, I think, I think the word place is, is what's at the heart of, of our mission um, and what it means to be community for us at, at Rangform. I guess in simple terms, the mission and the service that we're involved in for, of our parish, um, we couldn't do it if we weren't in the place that we actually are. So that place is really, really important. So let me give you a couple of examples. So um, uh, the first Saturday of every month uh, over the last, uh, actually three or four years, but recently in a much more intense way, we... um, we provide hospitality for the park run that meets um, 100 yards away from where we are as, as a church. Now, um, it will be impossible for St. George's or Holy Trinity to do that because we're in, in that place. Similarly, Church at High Park Corner, which is our, uh, our church focused on unchurched students, we have over 10,000 students living in our parish and they live, they work, they study, they socialize there. And that means that place is a really important, the students' uh, involvement in Hyde Park, their love for it, the community that's part of, and our love and service for that means that we're serving in that particular place. And then as we work in that community, for us it's about how do you show the love of God to that community? And in the ways that the people in that place are asking us to do. So it's not just us saying, we think we should be doing this, but that relationship building. A bit like Josh was saying, wasn't it? Taking up the opportunities that are there. And for us at at St. Augustine's, it's about seeing where God is already at work in the community and following what he's doing. But it's in that place. And I guess that's what marks it out as as being different. Fantastic. That's really good to hear. And there is a real creativity in the, in the different expressions of mission in, because they're in different contexts and trying to really reach out to different people.
So we're going to move on again to our final um, value, which is generosity. Um, and I'm going to ask what generosity looks like in these churches. So Eve, um, generosity at St. George's. Yeah, I, um, I think it comes down to a couple of things, both in um, is the giving away and, and gifting, I suppose, of uh, people and resources, um, and also the, the financial sowing into uh, kingdom ministry here. So I'm continually amazed by this, the generosity of St. George's um, congregation across the whole, um, from whatever people have and, and giving out of, um, yeah, out of what they, they do have and what they, rather than what they don't, as um, I mentioned in my giving talk last year, um, into, yeah, financially, but with uh, gifts as, and time as well, into the vision and ministry here. Um, and again, I mentioned it in last year's giving talk that I've been um, I've experienced at least six different kind of church contexts significantly in my life and worked for some of them. Um, and St. George's really is uh, remarkable in that, in that generosity, um, not just in some seasons, but consistently over time. Uh, and we've seen that in the past few years as well. So um, if you're one of those people that is sowing in financially and giving time and resources, then um, thank you because it doesn't go um, unnoticed and it's uh, a real gift that we have here. Um, but I think more than that, it's that generosity is rooted in deep faith in God, um, in his ability to provide, um, and in turn that enables us to operate in a, in a generous way. Um, because a bit like the organic image in our Bible passage, um, there's a lot of like agricultural images in, in scripture, and a bit like a plant or a crop uh, that when you sow it and you feed it and you water it, it multiplies and you can take cuttings from that and replant without fear that the original plant is um, harmed, even though sometimes it feels maybe a bit like pruning. Um, we're able to invest back in and we know that more growth uh, will come um, organically from that. Um, as well as that generosity financially and time and resources in this place, um, that enables us more corporately, I suppose, as a body, as St. George's, um, to be generous in giving away or planting. If you want to know what a planting cure is, you can find out more from uh, Hannah or Julia. But um, giving away generously in lots of different ways. So for us as a, as a whole body, and you'll have noticed in the passage that we suffer and we rejoice together. So when we do these things, we rejoice as a whole that might look like the church plant that's about to go with Julia to Bramley, a group of people uh, sent from us, a graft, if you like, a plant that we are gifting to that congregation and community there. It might look like uh, the worship school that we ran earlier this year that uh, Dan headed up with lots of our worship team where we gathered people from local churches who are desiring to lead Holy Spirit-led worship with the resources they have uh, and we were able to resource that with the gifts and skills that we have here to multiply uh, worship in our diocese. Uh, it might look like sending out people uh, to train to be ordained uh, in ordained ministry in the church. And we've been sending out already and we're sending out uh, another one uh, next week, which is really exciting. It might look like the interns that we've just seen, people investment uh, where people come and spend time with us or other churches for a year and we invest in them that um, they might bless us and we might learn from them and also that long-term impact in their lives wherever they may go uh, in the future. 
Um, and when we do this, like I said, we can all rejoice and celebrate in that generosity, um, even if it's not us individually being sent somewhere or going somewhere. And I felt this, um, I think, quite a lot, because when I, you know, even when I came here, I knew that I was called to be rooted in St. George's and to, uh, to the best of my ability, help to sow uh, and deepen growth here in this place. Um, so people often ask me, oh, are you going to plant? Um, and I don't know what the Lord will do, so I, you know, never say never in the words of Bieber. But um, I know, he speaks truth. But, um, but you know, I'm, I'm called to, to stay and be part of this uh, place, this engine room, that's not just for the sake of sending, but in its own right is a body of believers who are making an impact wherever we are during the week. Um, but we can share our generosity and not be fearful of uh, losing out or diminishing because in faith, God will um, regrow and restore uh, what we give away. Got quite excited then. Sorry. You did. That's great. Um, Adrian, tell us, tell us about generosity at St. Augustine's Frankthorne. Yeah, Lizzie, I think that, that's an interesting um, story and a journey there, really. Um, uh, many of you will not know, perhaps, that the, the relationship with, uh, with St. Augustine's or Rangthorne has been known has been going on 10 plus years now and, and started, I think, with the generosity of St. George's in giving uh, the time of one of their clergy team, which was Joanna. Mm -hmm. And Joanna's first sort of giving a day a week and then more and more of her time into that community. Um, and then others came from St. George's. Before we got all sort of keen and we had church planting and planting curates, St. George's were ahead of the curve those years ago in a small group of people becoming part of, of Rangthorne and some of those folks are still with us and some have moved on elsewhere. So we at St. George's, uh, sorry, at, at Rangthorne have been the recipients of that generosity down through the years and still now um, being part of the wider team, having the sort of behind the scenes support staff that are there and some of which are resourced by, uh, by St. George's is absolutely fantastic. And I guess in, in latter years, I see Tim sat there down in, in the front, you know, for me to have Tim as part of the team where we were um, planting church at High Park Corner and the generosity in that as well. So we have seen that generosity um, in the life of Rangthorne that has come out of St. George's. But I guess now we're seeing how that relationship matures. Uh, family systems theory talks about um, the relationships that we have with one another and they talk about the parent-child relationship. Um, uh, I don't think actually Rangthorne was ever the child of St. George's, in, never in, in any formal sense or whatever, but there was a little bit of that relationship there. You, you, at St. George's was the, uh, um, the adult in it, they were able to help us move. At one point our church wardens talked about Rangthorn being in survival mode and the input that came from St. George's helped us to move to now a place of thriving in, what, in who God would have us be and what God would have us want. And I think we're now shifting from that parent-child relationship, that's not a very good way of describing it, but now to an adult-adult relationship. And we're seeking what generosity looks like from us of what we can be sharing with St. George's and with Holy Trinity and with the wider community around us. So I think there's a shift in that generosity. We don't quite know what that looks like. Um, it's a little bit scary because generosity has with it cost. Um, and uh, 
we, like all churches, find that challenging. But it's a really exciting thing to do. And I think generosity is made easier when you're doing it with others, when you don't feel that you're on your own, when you feel you're part of this wider team that is there. So for us, it's been a journey, a wonderful one, an amazing one, which God has blessed, but one that we've not arrived at yet and one that's going to be different as we move forward. Right, so we'll watch this space to see Please what do. happens. Um, Holy Trinity, Josh. Yeah, so at Holy Trinity, I think uh, generosity looks primarily uh, like influencing a conversation. That's how I like to think of it. So we are, um, we are trying to encourage and to equip people to see that God is a part of what they do in their nine to five, uh, in their workplaces. But our hope is not just that we influence the people that come along to our congregations. Our hope is that we have a kind of ripple effect uh, in the city and, and perhaps further along, that we're able to equip people across the city to view uh, their work through the lens of the Christian faith. So a good example of this might be uh, that earlier in the year, uh, we, we created a sermon resource that helped, called Made for More, which was looking through the book of Genesis to help people to think about work and relationships. Uh, and we, as well as doing that at Holy Trinity, we did it here at St. George's. Um, and our hope is that that kind of thing will increase. We don't want to just create things uh, that, are, that work at Holy Trinity, but we want to create resources and conversations that will equip all of God's body, all of Christ's body, to see work as an integral part of their faith. So another example, we're, we're hosting a, a day on the 8th of October with the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, uh, which is an event which is for anyone who wants to come along and to think more about uh, how God relates to their place of work. But lastly, I think, uh, for gen generosity looks for us a little bit different to, uh, to these contexts because we don't, we don't meet on a Sunday. Um, and this opens up huge possibilities for us to be generous in different ways. So, for instance, um, you, you probably don't know this, but when I'm not here, I'm often visiting different churches and helping where there's a gap in a rota. Um, down at Leeds Minster, they've not had a vicar for a year. Um, and I've been able to go down and serve in that context, so we're able to be generous in that way. But it also means that w within our community, uh, there's actually quite a lot of diversity. I was, I was trying to count, and I think there are as many as nine different churches in some way connected with our community at Holy Trinity. And so there's an opportunity to influence a much broader conversation. One of our congregation members recently went back to their church and said, over the summer, can we run a series on faith in the workplace? And for me, that's a picture of what generosity might look like through mm -hmm. Holy Trinity, is that we influence a conversation and a culture uh, to think about work through a different lens. Brilliant. Thank you. Right. Well, I'm going to call this conversation to a close. Um, but just before we finish the service, I want to encourage you all to think uh, about what God might be saying to you through our passage tonight and through the values um, that we've been talking about. So I'm going to throw out a few kind of suggestions uh, and then I'm going to invite you just to stand and we'll have a little bit of ministry and then some more worship. So here are some ideas. Do you need to hear that you are part of the body of Christ, that you are needed, that you have got a part to play? Do you need to stop doing something? Do you need to start doing something? How are you doing on disagreeing well? Are there relationships in your life that might need some prayer? Uh, do you want somebody to pray with you today because you are either suffering or rejoicing? 
Is God encouraging you to be creative? Is God saying something specific to you about mission? Maybe about being present somewhere or inviting a particular person to a particular thing. Um, Is God affirming your faith-filled generosity? Is he saying, well done to you? Or is he encouraging you to maybe explore what that might look like in this coming season? Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.